Today is Sunday, October 2nd, 2022. suffer from gear acquisition syndrome? I know I do. Buckle your seatbelts and welcome to this edition of the Electric Guitar Lives podcast with Pete Williams. A fun and pithy celebration of the electric guitar, guitarists, related gear, and industry news from a seasoned guitar pro. Get your daily dose of all things guitar from an industry insider with over 20 years in the proverbial trenches. Be regaled with sordid tales of guitar and guitar news, amps, effects, artists, moodiers, and the interesting people that make up this wacky machine. So wind down with us as we cap each week off with a fresh out-of-the-oven episode. Who knows what will happen? Maybe you'll laugh. Maybe you'll cry. You might even learn something. Yeah, maybe you won't. But one thing's for sure. You'll be entertained. So hang with us for a bit, and thank you for joining us on the Electric Guitar Lives Podcast. Now here's your host, Pete Pete Williams. Thanks for uh, tuning in to the Electric Guitar Lives podcast with Pete Williams. I'm your host. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. I'm actually recording this on my phone. Uh, We've had some uh, technical difficulties this week uh, due to Hurricane Ian. I was uh, planning on uh, doing some recording. I wanted to uh, attempt to record the the opening um, sequence for Hall of the Mountain King by Sabotage. I wanted to play that lead by Chris Oliva. Um, but I just got power back on, so uh, not going to be able to do it this week, but I'll do it on another episode because uh, Chris was a really great guitar player, and uh, I was a big fan of Sabotage, still am. Um, so I'll attempt to do that on a different episode. So I'm sure you guys will understand. If uh, you happen to be in Florida and you're, uh, being affected by this, uh, the after effects or the aftershock of this hurricane. Uh, hang in there, uh, you know, eventually uh, we'll get through it. Despite some uh, setbacks with the hurricane, uh, we've got some cool news. Uh, one of which is we're going to be, uh, well, we're partnering up with our sponsor, Making Music in Chicago, uh, for a giveaway. We're going to be giving away two um electric guitar effects pedals from one control hey there this week we have a promo going on between now and friday december 2nd 2022 our generous sponsor making music is offering up not one but two chances to win two boutique guitar effects pedals from one control by bjorn jewel All you have to do is subscribe to our email list, listen to the podcast between now and Friday, December 2nd, 2022 for the winning announcements. Two lucky listeners will get a chance to own a one control fluorescent orange overdrive or a one control Baltic blue fuzz pedal. 
To enter, please visit electricguitarlives.com and click the One Control Guitar Effects Giveaway link. So this is easy, guys. Just visit electricguitarlives.com, click on the uh, One Control Effects Pedal Giveaway link, um, get some more information about the pedals that are being given away, sign up for our news list, that's it. So, and listen to the podcast. So you listen to the podcast between now and December 2nd. Sign up for the email list. We promise not to spam you. And, uh, and that's it. That's all you got to do. And you'll get a chance, two chances, uh, to win a boutique guitar effects pedal. Again, we wanted to thank our generous sponsor, Making Music, um, for um, gifting us these two pedals. Uh, and uh, good luck. Um, I'm sure you're going to enjoy these things. Uh, there's starting to be some, some buzz is starting to be created uh, out there on YouTube and on the Internet in general. Uh, for one control items, if you're not familiar with Bjorn Jewel, uh, we're going to be talking about him uh, and his, his designs uh, later in the podcast. I just want to add that if you're tuning into the podcast, be sure to listen to the One Control segment uh, where you can get uh, some audio examples of what the two uh, giveaway pedals sound like. So let's get into the news. First up, Michelangelo Badio is uh, teaching theory and uh, a whole lot of other things uh, through a uh, instructional series uh, put out by Sweetwater. If you're familiar with Michelangelo Badio, I don't need to say anything else. If you're not familiar with him, uh, he was Tom Morello's teacher. Um, he's been around for a long time, uh, the uh, lead guitarist of Nitro, um, Freight Train, if you remember that. I remember seeing Mike at Thoroughbred Music a long time ago for the first time. I had paid my buddy a couple bucks for gas money to take me to a guitar clinic at Thoroughbred Music in Tampa. I believe at that time he had a uh, double-neck Ritz guitar that he was doing uh, and had gone through, um, you know, his his whole um, his whole thing. It was incredible back then, and it's still incredible today. I don't need to say any more about that. Um, what folks may not know is that Mike comes from an educated background on this stuff um, and is truly qualified to be a teacher, and you couldn't ask for... A uh, better guy to uh, uh, to learn from, and uh, you know, a typical geniuses like that, uh, they're able to eloquently um, give you instruction in a very simple way on stuff that's normally typically very complex. So, if you hop on YouTube, be sure to uh, to uh, search around for his series from Sweetwater. Uh, that's a magical pairing, in my opinion. Also, don't forget that Mike's going to be touring with uh, Manowar, uh, which, again, is, you know, as someone quoted, uh, you know, it's about the most metal thing that could happen, especially for, for 2022. So be sure to check him out on tour. In other news, according to Ultimate Guitar, uh, boomers are apparently driving sales of vintage Japanese guitars. This is no surprise, uh, as those items, you know, 
that were uh, manufactured in Japan back during that time in the 70s and the early 80s. These factories were building guitars of the highest quality, and a lot of them are still comparable and in some instances surpass quality-wise uh, American guitars in the same scope. Um, just overall great quality, great build quality. I own two vintage Japanese Araya guitars uh, from back in the day. They're over 40 years old, and both of them are exquisitely manufactured guitars. Well, boomers are at the buying age, so it's no surprise that they're snatching these things up, and they're becoming quite the uh, collector's items. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, the two that I've have an RS, uh, an Araya RS, and an Araya Cardinal. Both have doubled in value. And some dealers out there have some that are in mint uh, or, or, you know, excellent condition uh, that are, you know, triple in value to what I own. Both of mine have battle scars, but uh, I don't care. Uh, they're great playing guitars regardless. In other news... PRS announces its foray into the guitar effects pedal world um, by offering uh, three all-new stomp boxes, the Horsemeat, the Merry Cries, and the Wind Through the Trees, which were inspired by Paul Reed Smith's personal pedal builds. Uh, this is quoted from Guitar World. After cementing its reputation as one of the finest electric guitar, acoustic guitar, and guitar and Mac manufacturers of the modern age, PRS has now set its sights on becoming a commanding force in the world of pedal effects. That's right, PRS pedals are finally here. Announcing its entry on the Stompbox stage, the Maryland brand has today debuted three all-new effects pedals, the Horse Meat Transparent Overdrive Pedal, the Mary Cries Optical Compressor Pedal, and the Wind Through the Trees Dual Flanger Pedal. Now, you can go to Guitar World and check that article out for yourself, and I'm sure, you know, throughout the uh, the media force out there, like on YouTube, etc., um, that stuff's already hit the airwaves. Uh, what I find that's interesting about them doing this, and, uh, you know, they're following suit. They've probably been working on it for a while. They're talking about it. Um, and I know that with the the reverb movie that they did on guitar, the guitar effects industry, it's very difficult for the big players out there like PRS, Fender, and Gibson to ignore uh, the demand for these types of products. Um, from my perspective, I, I say, hey, it's about time. Um, and I feel that at least with PRS, uh, they're kind of following, not kind of, in my opinion, I feel like they're following the model a Fender, uh, as you know, if anyone's played Fender amplifiers and uh, guitars before, there's kind of this uh, symbiotic tone mojo going on with their entire product line. Now, Fender had released their own uh, guitar effects pedals. They have uh, their boutique series of pedals and then some more uh, affordable um, models that they put out. They're still incredibly well built. Uh, but for anyone that knows, you know, when you get a Fender 
you know, twin reverb, and you hook that thing up with a Tele or a Stratocaster. There's a mojo going on there. And when you add those effects pedals into the mix, uh, it only gets better. And uh, so it's no surprise to me that PRS is doing the same thing. Frankly, I'm surprised that all the major guitar uh, companies and manufacturers aren't doing this uh, because uh, guitar players and tone seekers love guitar effects pedals. I know I do. Anyhow, there's plenty of people out there covering this stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, be sure to head up on YouTube or go to prsguitars.com um, to check out some of the, uh, the videos done. Um, you know, Paul Reed Smith is a tinkerer, and he's a real loof here. Um, so if these are things that were created from his brain, uh, I'm willing to bet that they're quite excellent. I'm looking forward to trying them out myself. In our Gear Spotlight today, we're going to be talking about One Control by Bjorn Jewell. A little bit about the company. One Control strives to make products that allow musicians to create their own unique tones and efficiently access them live. One Control's main focus is guitar pedal switchers. One Control has a full line of switchers that range from a one-channel, true bypass looper, all the way to a ten-channel, programmable switcher with MIDI capabilities. Whether you have a large, complicated pedal board or just a few pedals, One Control products allow players to fine-tune their pedal board in a way no other brand can. With most loop switchers on the market, guitarists would have to use a separate power supply to power your pedals. But One Control has made the innovation of combining a multi-power supply and an effects loop switcher into one product with products like the Iguana, and the Xenogama. Thus, your pedal board will become less crowded and work more efficiently. Before starting the company, One Control's founder, Bjorn Joel, had already spent years working in the pedal industry. His experience is not only from using pedals himself, but also assisting a large group of professional musicians with their pedal boards. After researching the industry extensively and receiving extremely useful feedback from several professional musicians, he set out to create products that not only are high quality, but also in reach of the everyday musician. The brand quickly gained popularity in Japan and still increases in popularity not only in Japan, but also around the world. As One Control continues to gain popularity, we continue to listen closely to our customers and respond by making products based on customer feedback and the combined decades of experience that One Control staff has. Now, uh, there are a lot of pedals out in the pedal market, and that's kind of the beautiful thing about you know, uh, uh, being a gear junkie or, or being a, a tone chaser is there's a lot of variety and you can mix and match and, and kind of create your own sound and, or, or just spend time and have fun, uh, you know, playing around with these things, man. It's a, it's a good way to spend the afternoon, spend the weekend when you got some, uh, some downtime, right? It's a lot of fun. Uh, what's interesting about this particular brand um, that, by the way, if you didn't hear in the beginning of the podcast, we're, we're doing a couple giveaways, which we'll listen to here shortly. Um, 
And if you go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts, I was talking about the Japanese as manufacturers. Uh, you know, these guys are, they're perfectionists, you know, so the quality is definitely there and will rival anything that's out in the marketplace today. I encourage you to uh, to check out One Control. I, I feel that it's will be worthy of your research and your time. And if you're a, you know on the quest for tone, uh, they're definitely a company you want to take notice of and take a look at. For more information, you can visit one-control.com. And if you're wanting to do some shopping, be sure to head over to makingmusic.com. Uh, for more. Uh, specifically, you can go to makingmusic.com forward slash one control. Now here's a demo of the Baltic Blue Fuzz. Here's a demo of the fluorescent orange overdrive. Now, here's a promotion from our show sponsor, Making Music. Hey there. This week we have a promo going on between now and Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Our generous sponsor, Making Music, is offering up not one, but two chances to win two boutique guitar effects pedals from One Control by Bjorn Jewell. 
All you have to do is subscribe to our email list, listen to the podcast between now and Friday, December 2nd, 2022 for the winning announcements. Two lucky listeners will get a chance to own a one control fluorescent orange overdrive or a one control Baltic blue fuzz pedal. To enter, please visit electricguitarlives.com and click the One Control Guitar Effects Giveaway link. So this is easy, guys. Just visit electricguitarlives.com, click on the uh, One Control Effects Pedal Giveaway link, um, get some more information about the pedals that are being given away, sign up for our news list, that's it. So, and listen to the podcast. So you listen to the podcast between now and December 2nd. Sign up for the email list. We promise not to spam you. And, uh, and that's it. That's all you got to do. And you'll get a chance, two chances, uh, to win a boutique guitar effects pedal. Some of the uh, the segues that I'm doing, uh, I recorded today uh, using the uh, the Moor Prime P1, which I've talked about in a previous episode. As I've mentioned, and others have mentioned online, uh, you know this thing requires a little bit of tweaking once you've paired it over Bluetooth with your phone. Um, but once you start to dial this thing in, man, it's it's really cool. So in case you're wondering what I use to record uh, those snippets with, that's what I use. So in today's artist segment, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the late Chris Oliva from Sabotage. Now, going back in time a little bit, uh, I'll say that uh, back when... uh, you know, MTV actually played music, um, and they did their Headbangers Ball. And even outside of that, uh, they would throw in uh, some uh, heavy metal rock videos during the day. And uh, one of the uh, the key ingredients uh, to their lineup was Hall of the Mountain by Sabotage. Uh, if you're familiar with the guitar hero genre of the time and the scene at the time, um, you'll know that uh, Sabotage certainly at that period carved out, uh, you know, their own niche uh, for their sound and, and this, um, you know, their hard rock, heavy metal thing. And they were different from a lot of the other guys at the time, uh, I feel, due to, uh, you know, the, the brother, uh, the two brothers, Chris and, and John, saying, um, and, uh, it was really something unique, man. I mean, uh, I feel like, uh, Chris, um, took all the influences at the time, you know, the classical music, uh, Randy Rhodes, Eddie Van Halen, um, amongst others. And, 
and really kind of took piece, bits and pieces of that and formulated his own thing to create his own sound, which you can certainly hear in his playing. A very fluid player. And as Alex Skolnick has said in a quote, um, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, a lot of fluidity in his playing, not unlike George Lynch. If you haven't checked um, Sabotage's stuff out, they, they did some lineup changes over the years. Uh, Alex Skolnick, after Chris Oliveau died, uh, actually took over guitar duties in the, the album um, uh, after he passed away and, and recorded it for, uh, for one record. That's an incredible record, too, by the way. As you may know, Alex is no slouch in that department. I really encourage you to check out the entire library, man. They were really pushing the boundaries there. Uh, I'm going to do a quote, though, from Wiki to give you a little background information about Chris. Christopher Michael Oliva was an American musician who was a lead guitarist and co-founder of the heavy metal band Sabotage. During his lifetime, he released seven studio albums and one EP with the band. Oliva's family moved around the country during his childhood, stopping off in California before making Florida their home. As an aside, uh, Chris didn't live that far away from where my parents retired and I went to a high school at. So that's kind of neat. We, we basically uh, knew about them and knew they were part of the scene. And there was a pretty decent music scene in uh, the Tampa area at that time. And Sabotage was at the forefront of it. Uh, so back to the uh, the information about him. It was in California that Oliva founded mu- or found music and considered it his calling. Chris continued his musical interests when they moved to Florida. His main influences as a guitarist were Richie Blackmore, Tony Iommi, Yuli John Roth, and Michael Schenker. He spent countless hours figuring out his favorite songs on records, and while he found it difficult to figure out a part on the record, he just made it up or he made up his own licks. This would later help him in his songwriting. Oliva and his brother John formed their first band together, Avatar, in 1978, from the ashes of their former bands Tower and Alien, respectively. In 1980, the duo met up with Steve Wachholz and jammed in a shack behind the Oliva home that was dubbed The Pit by the band. They also gave Steve a nickname that would later follow him throughout his career, Dr. Hardware Killdrums often shortened to just Doc, which referred to Steve's hard playing style. Uh, if you want to get an example of, of his playing style, I highly recommend you check out the 24 Hours Ago video on YouTube uh, from Sabotage. Some interesting quotes here. Chris had the fluidity of guys like George Lynch and Warren Martini, but with an aggressive melodic conviction that fits Sabotage perfectly. Is a quote from Alex Skolnick of Testament and Sabotage. You could hear Chris's classical roots and appreciate his knowledge and grasp of modal dexterity that was such a huge signature of his work. He was a trailblazer in metal guitar the way Randy Rhodes was before him. That was a very nice quote from Dave Ellison of Megadeth. Um, and yeah, I, when I think of Chris, I, I, I think that Randy Rhodes was a really big influence on him and you can hear it in his, you can hear it in his playing. Another quote from his brother, John Oliva. I had a great teacher. Chris Oliva was one of the greatest guitar players of the world and he taught me everything I knew. 
uh, from the Sabotage producer, Paul O'Neill. Chris had a feeling that was staggering and a sound that was unbelievable. I simply had never heard a better guitar player. With Steve, Chris, and John played Tampa clubs where they moved with their family in the late 70s and Clearwater area clubs for many years. In 1981, Keith Collins joined them to relieve John of bass guitar duties. In 1982, the band released an EP on Par Records. In 1983, the day before the release of the debut album, Avatar was forced to change their name due to copyright issues. Combining the words sabotage and avatar, Oliva, along with his future wife Don, his brother John, and John's wife, came up with Sabotage. Sabotage released their first two albums, Sirens in 1983, which was absolutely killer, and The Dungeons Are Calling in 1985, both on par records, exhibiting a wide variety of musical styles. In 1984, Oliva married Don Marie Hoppert, his girlfriend since his time in middle school at Philippe Park near Safety Harbor, Florida. Meanwhile, Sabotage continued to flourish, releasing six further albums after signing with Atlantic Records in 1985. That period in 1985, too, was really a great time for the guitar industry. It's really indescribable to anyone that's alive today, for anyone that that uh, grew up or lived during that time. Man, it was incredible. I can uh, testify to that. This was considered the golden age of sabotage, particularly when the band collaborated with producer Paul O'Neill for the first time in 1987's Hall of the Mountain King. Oliva's unique playing style won him many fans, including Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, with whom sabotage toured in 1987 in support of Hall of the Mountain King. Sabotage toured relentlessly, with Oliva winning critical acclaim. His biggest dream was for Sabotage's 1991 album Streets, a rock opera, to achieve platinum status. Streets was Sabotage's biggest mainstream success, and Oliva enjoyed the exposure the record gave the band, allowing new fans to be found for their music. Sabotage was rocked, however, by the sudden departures of John Oliva and Doc in 1992 and 93, respectively. Chris's best friend, Dan Campbell, discovered Zachary Zach Stevens while in Hollywood, California. Dan passed Zach's Wicked Witch demo directly to Oliva and thus introduced Zach to the band. Zach was then chosen as a replacement for John on lead vocals, and Jeff Plate was selected to replace Doc on drums, and Sabotage continued, releasing Edge of Thorns in 1993. The front cover of Edge of Thorns is a painting by artist Gary Smith of Oliva's wife, Dawn. The face in the trees is supposed to be John Oliva, though producer Paul O'Neill disputes that despite its publication in an interview with Chris from 1993. Gary was also responsible for all of Oliva's airbrush guitars. On a handful of rain... Oliva had contributed writing on two of its songs before his passing, namely Taunting Cobras and Nothing's Going On. Oliva played Jackson guitars and Charvel guitars. His favorite guitar was an ESP that later had a Jackson logo airbrushed on the headstock with a maple fretboard, reverse headstock, a Bartolini single coil and humbucker pickup, in a transparent blue finish, and a gargoyle painted on it, called the Gargoyle Guitar. 
I'll try to see if I can dig that picture up and post it on electricguitarlabs.com. On October 17, 1993, at around 3.30 a.m., Oliva and his wife Dom were driving north on Highway 301 on their way to the 4th Annual Livestock Festival held in Zephyr Hills, Florida, just north of Tampa. An oncoming car operated by a drunk driver crossed the median and struck Oliva's 1992 Mazda RX-7 head-on. Don survived the crash, but Oliva was killed instantly. The drunk driver, who had seven prior drunk driving convictions, survived with minor injuries and was later found guilty of DUI manslaughter, DUI serious injury, and vehicular homicide, and served 18 months in prison of a five-year sentence. That's tragic. Paul O'Neill, the sabotage producer, would go on to say... Chris could play anything you could imagine. He could work a solo around a vocal without stepping on it, and he is one of the few guitarists who knew how to convey the emotion of the human voice with a guitar. He was a combination of the angst of Dwayne Allman on Layla, the excitement of Jimmy Page, the emotion of Eric Clapton, the raw feel of Joe Perry, and the dexterity of Eddie Van Halen or Alan Holdsworth. The thrash metal band Overkill wrote a song named... Rest in Peace, Undone, on their 1994 album, WFO, as a tribute to Oliva. Vicious Rumors and Testament also dedicated their respective albums, Word of Mouth, and Low to them. Oliva's grave can be seen at Curly Hills Memorial Gardens in Palm Harbor, Florida. A special memorial concert pl- took place on November 23, 1993, with the surviving... Members of Sabotage, including elder brother John, who returned for one night only, performing a special set. No guitarist played with the band that night, instead opting to leave a white Charvel Predator, all of a signature model, with roses going up the neck, which resembled the back of the Streets album, and the spot where Oliva used to stand. The loss of their lead guitarist nearly signaled the end of sabotage, but during the early years, the Oliva brothers made an agreement that if one of them were to pass away, the other should continue the band in memory of the other, although some ex-members of the band contest that story. Subsequently, John chose to continue the band. When asked for a comment about Chris, his father said he lived for that guitar, referring to the love of the guitar. I would go over to his home for a visit, and no matter what he was doing, on the phone, eating dinner, Chris would always have a guitar in his hands. That sounds familiar, huh? Now, I wanted to talk about Chris because, uh, you know, like Randy Rhodes, I felt like, uh, and Eddie Van Halen, honestly, uh, died way too young, um, and uh, and what a tragedy, and I really encourage you, if you're a guitar player, or or just somebody who enjoys, uh, you know, good music, uh, to check out the entire body of work from Sabotage, Um, it's excellent. So, hey, listen, I, I wanted to um, say thank you again for tuning in to the Electric Guitar Lives podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming to hang with me for a bit. Spend a little time and listen to um, my ramblings. Anyhow, next week we're going to be talking about the amazing Scott Henderson uh, from Tribal Tech fame. And for gear, we're going to be talking about the Fender Stratocaster. 
um, which uh, my holy grail guitar is an American Fender Stratocaster. And I wanted to talk about it and uh, record with it um, some cool sounds and, and snippets and uh, get into it uh, on why this thing's still uh, considered kind of the, you know, the, uh, the high watermark for electric guitars. Often imitated, never duplicated, right? So uh, anyhow, uh, I want you guys to uh, have a great week, and uh, I hope you tune in again next week for the Electric Guitar Lives podcast. Thanks for listening to the Electric Guitar Lives podcast with P. Williams, your weekly hang for all things guitar-related and more. Be sure to tune in next week for another exciting episode. And remember, have fun. See you next time. For more about this podcast and future episodes, be sure to visit electricguitarlives.com. Thanks again for listening.